stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take any topic that is astrological or a topic related to relationships or romance. I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Mizek, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Um, as you can kind of tell, I am much better uh, from the last episode. I just had to take a week to get this cold that actually had teeth um, this time around. I can just kind of tell with COVID, um, it seems like even the simple cold or simple flu virus actually is even nastier than it once was. So I had to just make sure that I kicked the cold and kind of send it packing and on its way. There's still some little remnants of it here and there, but it's I'm, I'm feeling so much better, which is which is awesome. And I'm so glad that I sound much better because I know at the Aries episode I sounded terrible. So I do want to apologize for that. But I am, you know, on the bright side, I'm glad that I'm with you and here today and that I'm sounding a little bit better as well, too. So um, for this week's episode Okay, this week's episode is is kind of a fun one for me, and um, it was actually inspired last month during Pisces season. Um, so uh, when it comes to Venus, which I've been tracking on my own uh, due to Ariel Gutman's book, uh, Venus Star Point Rising, um, I had noticed that because the sun was in Pisces, um, always Venus is at least a sun or not sun, a, a sign away from the sun's position. So at that time, uh, Venus was actually in Aries at that point. Right now, we have three planets currently in Aries. So the sun's position, actually, wait a minute, scratch that, four major aspects in Aries. Uh, there's the sun's position, there's the current position of the north node, which changes every lunar eclipse. Uh, then we have Jupiter, and then we also have Mercury outside of Aries right now. And what I've been noticing is that there has been one of the shadow sides of Aries season coming out, which I may or may not have covered in last episode. Um, but uh, I, I will go ahead and kind of touch briefly on it now since I, I'm kind of fuzzy as to whether or not I covered it. But uh, with the, one of the shadow sides of Aries, um, there is a, a so attention-seeking behavior. And unfortunately, stargazers, I've been seeing a lot of it between last month and now that we are full-blown into Aries season. But also not only that we're full-blown into Aries season, but that we have a stellium, so to speak, that makes the transits right now very top-heavy with Aries energy. And so it's been a month in the process, but I really want to kind of dive a little deeper into attention-seeking behavior astrologically and really kind of get to the bottom of it. Like, what could we take away from this episode in order to not engage in negative behaviors? Now, what do I mean by attention-seeking behavior? So um, attention-seeking behavior is usually stooping down to very low forms of interaction and relationships in order to do exactly as the name specifies, which is to seek attention, which is to get attention. 
um, it kind of follows the, unfortunately, now the new, I don't want to say it's a new adage. It's been an adage for a while, but it's a sad one at that, which is better bad press than no press at all. And unfortunately, uh, well, actually, fortunately, I don't agree with that one. Um, I do want to make, it's like I would, I'd love that adage to be kind of kicked to the curb. And I would love to see new uh, phases of thinking on this one. Um, you know, maybe like a, a better adage of, hey, better positive attention. Um, and if not any attention, then better to have positive attention with myself and to attract positive attention from other people as opposed to the the other old adage. But as of what stands right now, sadly, it's that better bad press than no press at all, which is, like I said, it's unfortunate. But with attention-seeking behavior, obviously the problems with that is, first off, it's obnoxious. You know, I've actually noticed it um, in the last month with people following right behind me. And when I say right behind me, and I, I think I've covered this in a couple of episodes, when I say right behind me, I mean like guys who are following so close behind me, they could literally reach out and they can touch my back, or they can literally reach out and touch my butt or literally reach out and maybe grab me. And that's the third scenario is usually what I think of when someone's following really closely behind me. It's like, oh no, this guy could like grab me from behind and drag me to a van. You know, it's, it's basically the setup for a Dateline sort of episode um, right then and there, you know, like, you know, something that'll premiere on 2020. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a fun sort of scenario to ha- undergo. But other things that I've also noticed is like, you know, um, I actually have had a coworker who instead of actually getting to work um, when there's been a very busy situation, he's been trying to garner my attention by tapping on the glass in between us, waving his arms around, just talking to me when I, um, you know, obviously I'm in the midst of work, um, invading my space while talking to me while I'm in the midst of work. So um, I, I see all these sort of forms as well as attention-seeking behavior. It's just any sort of unsavory sort of motion, I would say like nonverbal language as well as verbal language to just get attention. Some people go for inflammatory language just to also get attention. You know, say something really, in you know, that would really incense people or say something really controversial or something just flat out lewd and awful just to gain attention as well. And those, I think, are also examples of attention-seeking behavior. Now, stargazers, before I get into the astrological sides of this, I just want to say this is not um, an episode where I'm just going to stand on my soapbox, I'm going to wag my finger at you and be self-righteous and say, who shouldn't be doing this, especially in airy season? Because um, the reality is we all have bouts of attention-seeking behavior. And astrologically, how I can back this is we have transits or we have plant, we always have transits that hit outside our houses, whether or not we want them to. And, you know, whether or not I know there, my astrology teacher had mentioned, and there are also astrologers who also mentioned that, you know, when a transit hits outside your house and say you don't have natal planets in that house, well, it doesn't affect you. Actually, that's not true. Um, whether or not you have natal planets that are 
in a relationship with the current transits or whether or not you don't. Um, I've seen situations play out where I can feel the transits, whether or not I have a natal planet relationship with those transits. And, um, you know, they can still hit you pretty hard. Um, it, I mean, I would say just about as hard as if the transit's right outside one of your natal planets. But, you know, um, getting back to attention-seeking behavior, we all have transits that hit in particular places in our chart that stir attention-seeking behavior. Like right now, there's probably a lot of people who have Aries in a prominent position in their chart, and hence the attention-seeking behavior at this time. You know, and we since we all go through it, I'd rather, instead of being like, don't do this or else, you know, I'd rather this be kind of like an informative episode where we can explore not only what's going on transit-wise, but also... Um, the second half of this is actually looking at the trend or looking at the aspects of somebody who has natural charisma, someone who has natural magnetism and who garners attention naturally for themselves. And um, actually, Stargazers, I, I know what you're thinking of right now with that second part. You're probably thinking, well, there's probably aspects that I don't have in my chart. And you're not alone in those thoughts. I actually started off this week's episode when I did my research in thinking that way myself. I thought, um, oh, great, watch. Probably, you know, to get and garner attention and to have charisma or magnetism, you have to have aspects in Scorpio. And I have like zero aspects in Scorpio in my chart. So it's like, okay, the impossibility to, to, to achieve. And actually, um, the results were very staggering and mind-blowing. Um, there actually are a lot of different factors involved. And it's kind of hopeful to me because if there's a lot of different factors involved, that means a lot of you probably have these aspects in your chart and you don't realize it. Or, you know, you have that aspect, or you're like me, you know, you have that aspect in your chart, but you're not really familiar with the dynamics of it. And that happens to all of us. You know, we're, we're always familiar with the negative parts of us. We're not always familiar with the great positive sides of us. But, um, you know, kind of keeping that in mind, I would also like to explore what to learn from those particular transits so that when we do have a, you know, current transitory period where we are desperate, we're feeling desperate, and we feel like we have to garner people's attention in order to feel magnetic, attractive, charismatic, we can kind of keep uh, the points of those who have natural magnetism or natural charisma in order to maybe get through this period a bit better and also maybe do away with the term attention-seeking behavior. Um, and also do away with that old, that, that saddled adage to the better negative press than no press at all. How about, you know, revamping it to where it could be positive and where this transitory period could work out for you as well. So to begin with, we're going to get into what goes on with the transits. Now, you know, I know what you guys are thinking. It's like, what does, what do transits and attention seeking behavior have to do with you know, uh, you know, relationships. 
Well, with attention-seeking behavior, we are obviously seeking a relationship, whether we recognize that or not. You know, it's not just for our own ego gratification, but, you know, the way to actually know which transits hits where not only helps us to overcome this attention-seeking behavior, but I think with attention-seeking behavior, it's actually a lot of these transits usually root out relationship patterns that might not be working for you and that are causing you to feel unloved and causing you to feel um, really not well valued in life. Hence why you are seeking attention from people. However, going about it um, can really, again, the, the reverse also is kind of true with attention seeking behavior, which is that you can actually repel people in the process because, of course, you're stooping down to negative forms of attention. Also, you're lowering your vibrations as you're doing it, too. Uh, if you guys are big into manifestation, lowering your vibrations causes you to achieve less as opposed to when you raise your vibrations, it, it kind of amplifies it. But to know these transits is to kind of be like forearmed and forewarned and also maybe to kind of approach relationships in a different way. Um, maybe to do away with attention, attention seeking behavior, do away with the negative and, um, really try to make the most positive, um, relationships matter and work. So with that said, um, the first thing, as I mentioned earlier, there are key particular signs where when we experience transits, heavily um, in these particular signs, more likely than not, people are more people or you or everybody um, concerned can experience attention-seeking behavior in one way or another. Um, the first would be Aries. And like I said, right now, we're pretty top-heavy with Aries. That just seems like everybody's engaging in that the negative forms of behavior right now. Now, unfortunately, that is a shadow side with Aries. They just like to gain attention in order to get praise for the work that they've done, for being head first, and for moving forward with their ambitions and their goals, and also like ticking off their goals and their ambitions as they move along as well. Um, sometimes they don't always get the praise that they expect, so they stoop to trying to get attention in order to get that praise, that love, and the admiration as well. Uh, the second would be Gemini. When Gemini is very top-heavy with transit, so it's like full of like uh, planets or like if there's a stellium in there. So a stellium is three or more planets grouped together in one sign. Um, that also um, kind of uh, kind of gets people to, you know, kind of undergo attention-seeking behavior. The third is a pretty obvious sign. Even for those, for those who are adept in astrology, even for those who are not adept in astrology, my own sun sign, Leo, is also a culprit. A lot of people um, stoop to attention-seeking behavior in Leo season as well. And then um, this last one, a lot of people may not always see this or they might not see the connection, but cancer as well. I've seen a lot of people uh, stoop to attention-seeking behavior during cancer season. Um, mainly, I think it's because with cancers, 
they love to be nurtured as much as they are nurturing. And sometimes, kind of like the baby signs of Aries and Gemini, they will stoop to attention-seeking behavior strategies, uh, probably different strategies than with Aries and with Gemini, but still attention-seeking behavior strategies in order to get their needs met as well. Now, um, I had a little debate with this with myself. Um, sometimes... Um, you know, it's like I was kind of seeing like if sometimes or maybe um, if not, if this is this is not true, but I would probably say a good maybe as well uh, when it comes to top heavy signs, Scorpio would probably be another one as well. You know, when there's a lot of planets or stelliums in Scorpio, sometimes people get into attention seeking behavior mode. Uh, Scorpios like to have the limelight on them. Um, kind of like with Leo. Um, and of course, sometimes to get that limelight, they'll stoop to very, you know, they'll stoop to the attention seeking behavior as well. So again, um, transit wise, any sort of stelliums in those sort of signs, I feel are very culprit and suspect for attention seeking behavior. Also, so, okay, um, there, there will be a, a point of specificity here and a point of unspecificity here. But uh, I also feel that any planet that hits outside your ascendant is also uh, suspect or also causes attention-seeking behavior. Now, I know what you're thinking. Any planet, Sandra? That's, that's pretty unspecific. But actually, it is and it isn't. Um, because sometimes the planet, depending on which planet's hitting that particular aspect of your chart, um, it'll kind of give you the tenor of the attention-seeking behavior. So like Venus um, will make you more inclined to acting on attention-seeking behavior in order to further relationships along, because relationships are a key goal for you. Now you may have the right intentions in having relationships be a key goal for you, but the but your approach may be off. And the fact that it's hitting outside the ascendant—that's our outermost aspect of our chart, our outermost situation, our outermost side of our personality. So when a planet hits that, it's kind of you know we're we're pretty more much outward. We're kind of um, really focusing on other people and their attention, placating whatever is a void. And usually, like I said, like a lack of, you know, feeling like a lack of love or affection, which may or may not be true in your life, being that void. So, um, but again, kind of getting back into the planet. So like Venus would cause you to want to build relationships. Uh, Mercury, however, may cause you to think about um, the fact that you're lonely or the fact that you're not getting enough love or the fact that you're not charismatic enough and really like kind of overwhelm your thoughts as well. Also with Mercury being outside your ascendant, you might be more prone to, you know, eliciting attention through words. Um, so maybe, th you know, you might have to be careful of acerbic or controversial forms of speech in order to just gain attention. But there's the ascendant as well as any planet that hits outside the fifth house and also the eighth house. Or if you're like me um, in 2012, 
all the above. And, oh God, stargazers in 2012, I had the worst situation, worst situation with, um, my self-confidence. I definitely uh, stooped to attention seeking behavior and, I, I just, I just felt like I wasn't complete without someone paying attention to me. And it was definitely of the epitome of that. But the fifth house, um, mainly the fifth house, any planet outside the fifth house is usually indicative. Of course, fifth house is ruled by Leo. Leo's love, as I can tell by working with two Leos and also dealing with a Leo in my day to day life, that would be yours truly. We love attention and uh, some sometimes stoop to getting attention, um, all forms of attention far more than others. Um, but, you know, Leo is known for seeking the spotlight and really um, seeking for attention. Now, with your fifth house, of course, you could be like Jake Gyllenhaal. You could have like, say, your son in the fifth house. However, your son's in Sagittarius or like in his case, it's in Sagittarius. However, because it's in um, a, a house that's ruled by Leo, while Jake Gyllenhaal may have Sagittarian tendencies of, you know, thinking broadly, thinking critically about matters and problems, you know, going on, you know, physical trips and learning more about life, he also may have tendencies about fixing issues and situations creatively. And also, of course, drawing attention from people. I think he is very magnetic in that regard in the fact that he has his son in the fifth house in that of Leo as well. But any transit that hits out or any sort of transit, any sort of planet that hits outside the fifth house um, is culprit to attention seeking behavior. Um, and like I said, again, depending on the planet, it'll be the tenor, you know, it'll set the tone, the tenor of what will happen. Um, how that'll happen. Like maybe with Neptune, you're kind of in high Venus where you would like to make relationships as well and might seek it with relationships. However, relationships for you, you know, how you want to go about being magnetic, how you want to go about seeking relationships may be murky as well. Um, whereas with, you know, sat or with actually, let's start off with a harsher planet. Um, kind of like what I had in 2012 with Pluto, Pluto may cause you to seek power, you know, gain um, attention by seeking power over people. Um, sometimes in that quest for power, you also may be suspect and really drawing the wrong people um, to you as well. And that was the case with me. I drew the wrong person. Actually, I drew a number of really predatory people into my life while I was trying to be more magnetic and have people be drawn to me and try to manipulate circumstances to be as such. Um, actually, in this time with 2012, it was about September when I did look at the transits and what was going on there. There was a time where I had to set myself or I had to pull myself to the side and say, you know, the wanting the attention um, where you're at right now in life is a little desperate. You need to revamp or you need to like kind of take a look at self-love as well, too. And 
not be so fixated on it. Maybe attention can be garnered naturally when you focus on something good and wholesome and positive in your personality. And, oh, man, I should have listened to that advice far more. And I even more so, I probably should have taken a page from my own playbook. But we live and we learn. And let's just say I've evolved because of that transit at, you know, Pluto being right outside the fifth house. But, um, you know, again, the the different planets will kind of provide the tenor for how you'll be attracting attention um, in that regard or how you'll be going about attention-seeking behavior. And last but not least, any planet outside the eighth house, I can identify with this one as I've had two planets outside my eighth house in the last year. Uh, that has been Neptune and Jupiter. Oh boy, did, did that really convey quite a double whammy. Uh, let's just say in that time I was pulling down Olivia Fox Cabane's book, uh, The Charisma Myth, and reading through that and really going through her points as though they were, you know, kind of a sacred text, so to speak. But uh, with the eighth house, that is also ruled by Scorpio. Usually with that house, it deals with obsessions. So you may feel far more obsessed with getting attention. Also, Scorpio is all about getting attention through, you know, either um, in the dark, in their dark side, like their shadow side, like doing so through manipulation. But most of the time, they do have a natural charisma about them when they're not focused on the dark too much, when they're not focused on their shadow side too much. But I think with the attention-seeking behavior, those um, who have transits outside their eighth house are more likely to engage in like building charisma, building magnetism, as opposed to where your ascendant and the fifth house, it's more about how to outwardly draw attention, you know, drawing attention by saying something inflammatory or drawing attention by, you know, making obnoxious overtures or, um, you know, maybe doing something, like I said, very outward. Um, the, the eighth house is far more inward, so you might be more obsessed about how to cultivate charisma or how to cultivate magnetism. Um, hence why I said, like in the last year, I've pulled down Olivia Fox Cabane's book. If you guys are, in, you know, you know the, here's one, one solution. If you guys have transits outside any of these points and you uh, want a book, a good book to read that gives like positive feedback about attention-seeking behavior. Olivia Fox Cabane's book, The Charisma Myth, is a really good book. I really love it because she debunks the myth that charisma is only bestowed upon certain people. And we kind of get that sense even in astrology. And it's how we can find charisma inside ourselves, you know, our own form of charisma how we can cultivate that. And really it kind of, um, I've actually, I've used her, um, she has a point about warmth, you know, your personality being warm and really being more about engaging with other people as opposed to gratifying your ego, like really being invested and truly uh, present with other people. Um, I find that's a really wonderful point, but she has loads of others and lots of examples of historical people um, to back it up on. So definitely, I, I feel like one good book right now 
would be exactly that. So that is, again, Olivia Fox Cabane's book, The Charisma Myth. But kind of getting back into this, so um, these are basically just the transits. Here's what's going on in the political climate. It's kind of made me wonder if a lot of people, I'm not going to lie to you, Stargazers, if a lot of people have Aries on the Ascendant, Aries for the fifth house, or Aries for the eighth house. And if their eighth house, their Ascendant, or their fifth house are a little top heavy right now. And again, if so, no shame. Um, I'm going to tell you, like I said, in 2012, I had, you know, I think it was September 2012, I had Venus on my ascendant. I also had a Saturn return, which that's another can of worms. I think that's another episode right there. Uh, that opens a whole new can of worms, and it's, it's not fun. Um, but you learn. You definitely learn during a Saturn transit. But I did have like Venus on my ascendant. I had Pluto outside my eighth house. Um, so let's just say, yeah, attention for me was a source of power. And I was feeling a lack of power. And feeling that lack of power drew the bad, unsavory, predatory people to me, which was not good. Um, you know, there, again, with Pluto being a transit outside your fifth house or anywhere, again, remember to use that time to maybe transform matters of power. I really could have used this time to like say, Hey, whoa, don't be, don't equate power with how much attention you're seeking. How about equate power with how much love you give to yourself and, you know, revamp on that and really heal both myself, but also repair the vibes that I'm sending out to individuals. And whether or not you guys believe in vibes, it does exist. And it's very true. Um, you are what you act. You are what you, you attract how you act as well, too. It's, it's kind of uncanny how that happens. But uh, also in September of 2012, I also had the moon right outside my eighth house. And man, was I feel, man, was I engaging in um, the attention seeking behavior. So you guys aren't alone. This happens to all of, like I said, again, this happens to all of us at some point or another. So um, no shame. But since we're kind of, um, we've mentioned the transits, let's mention, let's get into the charts and the aspect, the aspects, sorry, the aspects of what somebody who has natural magnetism or charisma has in their chart. So most of my facts uh, and most of my points for today come from venusandvirgo.tumblr.com. Guys, if you have not checked out this webpage, I highly recommend it. Not only does the author have a DM for people who have questions, like astrological questions, um, such as the astrology of attraction, shall, um, there's also articles on Venus and Virgo that I've actually used a couple of times. And there's a lot of great nuggets of astrological information in there. I, I personally find it's, it's a favorite of mine, along with Astro uh, Dienst, and also along with astrology.com and other um, astrology sites that I cite often, as well as astrology books that I cite often on this podcast. But with um, venusandvirgo.tumblr.com, the first thing is those who have natural charisma or natural magnetism usually have their rising in any 
of the fixed signs. I love this point because a lot of people have their ascendant in one of the fixed signs. Fixed signs being Leo, Aquarius, Taurus, and Scorpio. Now, the rationale behind this, why they're so magnetic, is that um, cardinal signs, so cardinal signs being that Aries, Libra, and Gemini and Sagittarius, or sorry, not Gemini, Sagittarius, those are mutable. Sorry, so it's Aries, Libra, Capricorn, and Cancer. They're usually, those who have an ascendant in those signs usually like to get in people's faces. The reason why is that cardinal signs, they begin the seasons and they like to really instigate things. So they might be those types where, like say they're in attention-seeking behavior mode, they might get in your face and say something confrontational. Or they might want to go about attention by, why are you not paying attention to me? I want you to pay attention to me every single second of every single day. And that actually, believe it or not, according to attraction, it actually repels people away from you. In fact, now that I think about it, I think I, my coworker has an ascendant in one of these car, in one of these cardinal signs because he's very much, it's like, you're not paying attention to me, so I'm going to cry or you're not paying attention to me, so I'm going to hold you emotionally hostage until you do. But anyway, those sort of behaviors repel people away because you're being way too aggressive. On the opposite end, the mutable signs. So those signs of Virgo, Pisces, uh, Gemini, and Sagittarius. Uh, when they, those ascend, the, the individuals who have those ascendants, they just go with the flow too often and they always focus on changing themselves when attention seeking behavior arises or when they want attention, they try to change themselves often or they change themselves often as well too. Now, while we all love change and transformation, when you're changing yourself too often and too much, it's hard for people to know you and that can also minimize attraction. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not bad mouthing those who have a sentence in cardinal or mutable signs. You guys are all awesome, but here's what you guys can learn from fixed signs. Those who have a sentence in fixed signs. So fixed signs, even though we are stubborn and we are reticent to change. And I say we are, because I have a Leo ascendant as well as a sun in Leo. So I know, I know for a fact, I hate change. I am very stubborn. My grandmother even said so herself that I am super stubborn. Ironically, she was a Scorpio as well, another fixed sign. She was equally stubborn just as much as I was. Um, I was it was a great relationship. We had a great relationship. It was a very interesting one. <laughs> um, but you know, we are even though we can be very stubborn, reticent to change, fixed signs actually love to make their own mark on life. Uh, if I were to liken life as, you know, kind of a pro a hair color project, you know, going back to my barbering days, fixed signs are more likely to try to give streaks to life, like streaks of color into life, as opposed to trying to make like baby lights or make like little baby low lights um, in the hair. You know, baby lights being just that, that like subtle blend of color. They like to have the bold color in their life. They like their life to be 
in bold, in technicolor. And they go to great pains and lengths to make that happen, to make their life their own and to make it as unique as they are. Now, I thought that this was interesting that this creates attraction because, well, A, who doesn't like an autonomous individual, somebody who is independent? I know from my own personal experience, independence is very sexy. Um, with my crush on Mr. BB, he is definitely independent. I could definitely tell he had an ascendant in Aquarius. Um, it was very sexy and it was very lovely. There's something about independence that just, that is magnetic. That's wonderful. I think it's because it yields some mystery and it also just, it inspires. It's some, it's a quality that inspires people to do a little bit better with their own lives. I know I grew more inspired to be more independent myself, um, which was nice. But also, I think there's also something about somebody going about their own lives that's really sexy. I think there's an evolutionary attraction to that with people just taking care of business every single day and really taking care to make their own life as well. This point, however, I thought was interesting because it also reminded me of what many um I first heard this term uh, with Marie for Leo's book, um, How to Be Irresistible. And it was basically mind your isness. And you heard me right. It is I-S-N-E-S-S. Uh, it's also utilized in manifestation books. But I really love this one because um, so the whole esoteric definition is really just being you. Like, you know, an apple, like having the isness of an apple is just being an apple or the isness of you is just being you, which, you know, for action, you know, for philosophy, philosophical purposes, very intriguing, but for action, not a lot to go on. But um, when, uh, you know, with Marie Forleo, um, one thing that I liked about her examples was that she had mentioned isness as like, say that you get stuck in a traffic jam and instead of getting angered over your fate, getting angered at the other drivers, maybe that's what you kind of recognize being in your own flow, being in your own state, you recognize maybe this is a good time to go over those presentation notes for the next meeting at work. Or maybe um, it's a good time to maybe just chill before work, turn up the tunes and, and have a blast, you know, kind of turn up the tunes and kind of notice how warm or kind of notice the day, you know, if it's a sunny day, if it's a great day and notice the day and notice what's positive about it. That's, um, that's one example of living in your isness. Um, I've actually, uh, have experienced isness with, uh, tango dancing when I used to, uh, do tango and ballroom. It was instead of, you know, waiting for somebody to ask me to dance in the practice portion, um, after lessons, I, uh, would kind of give myself kind of a little rubric. It's like, Hey, if somebody asks me to dance within a half an hour, I'll stay. If someone does not ask me to dance in that time frame, I'll leave and I'll take it as though the lessons from the class are what I need to work on and maybe perfect when it comes to moves and better luck next week. So, um, and actually what ended up happening was there were a lot more people who asked me to dance after I 
practiced isness. So it really does work. There's something about going into your own natural flow that also boosts attractiveness. Um, how this applies to what we can learn right now if you're in attention-seeking behavior mode, instead of focusing outward and attracting attention from other people, kind of go inward and really, again, utilize your own, you know, like respect you, utilize your own flow, utilize how you can mind your own isness in life. Maybe instead of focusing on what other people are saying about you at work or what other people are saying about you in personal life, maybe focusing on your own goals, maybe focusing on your own ambitions, maybe just focusing on your interests and, you know, how you're going to accomplish those interests within the day, or just, you know, focusing on something that is really unique to you. And I'm going to tell you the stargazers, when you do start to focus on you, what's inside of you and what you can bring to this, to life as a whole, people start becoming far more attracted to you. You start raising your vibes a bit more and people are starting to become attracted. In fact, people may become more attracted in the regard that you seem wise. Um, they might start asking you um, there for your advice. Or, you know, you just might start attracting more wonderful individuals the more that you focus on you. Now, that doesn't mean be selfish. No, it just means show yourself some self-love and also dedicate some time to cultivate your flow in life. Um, and I think that would really do wonders and really help as well. Another factor is... That Pluto is on the ascendant. So somebody who has natural charisma also has Pluto or also can either have Pluto or one of their positions is that they have Pluto on the ascendant. The first person who comes to mind with this one is James McAvoy. So if you guys have not noticed in a lot of his movies with James McAvoy, he tends to ooze attention within his roles. I know um, in a scene... He could be in a scene with Hugh Jackman. He trumps Hugh Jackman in attractiveness in the regard that he kind of steals the show right there. Um, you know, the one problem that I see with Pluto on the Ascendant is that while this individual has a very powerful presence, that it is very hard to overlook this individual. This individual also struggles with outward manifestations of power. Like with James McAvoy, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if knowing that he can attract people on a whim, if he was more inclined to doing unsavory things to promote a film or doing unsavory things to get a part, you know, and utilizing on power and control to do this and um, kind of really having to step back and not only see the consequences of doing this, but also seeing how to transform and revamp so that um, the, the process is not continuing. One thing that I feel that Pluto on the Ascendant um, teaches us is how to transform our attention. So like say that we do have a powerful presence. Attracting, you know, getting attention does not mean walking all over people 
and walking on their toes or mowing people down or really getting like power obsessed. Um, that's actually the antithesis to getting attention. That actually detracts people away before you know it. I know this for a fact because my boss is like that. It's like my way or the highway. I, like I said, his attraction level, um, he's very desperate for attention a lot of the time. I feel like that really lowers the attention value. That lowers his vibe. That also lowers how much attention he gets just taking that attitude alone. No, I find with Pluto on the Ascendant, what the one thing that we can learn, again, from James McAvoy was that he transformed his need. He transformed the fact that he has power and started to divert the attention towards philanthropic causes. I think there was even one point at the Oscars where he had celebrities sign his shirt for the night so that he could give it away to charity. It can be auctioned off to charity and the charitable organization could use those proceeds to fund and really do what they needed to do with their, their organization. So um, I find with Pluto on the Ascendant, focus, don't focus on gaining power for yourself. Focus on how you can use a powerful presence in life to have something focus, to kind of focus on something outside of you. Maybe like focusing on a good cause that you're passionate about. And doing everything you can. So again, minding your business, doing everything that you can to help support and help that charitable cause. Maybe volunteer your time and really um, make sure you're volunteering your time with a cause that you can really get on board with. Maybe it's not even a charitable cause. Maybe finding a political cause that you find will help the world um, and really channeling your need for attention into that. Um, or maybe just something that's really good and wholesome and that's also outside of you um, that, you know, like I said, you can really devote your time and attention towards. Now, um, this third point was kind of interesting. Again, the moon and or Venus conjunction to Pluto is also very charismatic and, uh, you know, elicits char charisma and natural magnetism. Well, speaking... You know, speaking from personal experience, I do have Pluto conjunct my moon myself. One thing I can tell you, though, when I was young and well, when I was young, my emotional fields, I could definitely tell Pluto, Pluto conjunct my moon was really hit and hit pretty hard transit wise because I was having a rough time of it. I was having a rough time. Um, I had really explosive emotions and I also was really like almost focused, almost obsessed with manipulating circumstances at that time to where it could be in my favor. If I was like more manipulative, um, things would be in my, my favor. It was, it was a dark time for sure. But I remembered when I engaged in that sort of behavior, people were less attracted to me then when I, um, I think it was in the summer between eighth and ninth grade where I looked in the mirror and I finally just said to myself, I said, I'm tired. I'm bored with being miserable. I'm bored with this emotional upheaval. Let's find a way to transform this. And when I actually went through the transformation, for me, it was accepting my flaws as though they're perfections. 
that was one aspect to it, but also maybe being kinder to others instead of trying to manipulate circumstances, like get away from manipulation and maybe find ways to utilize great insight to help people and to help situations and circumstances. Those two aspects actually caused for my magnetism to shoot upward. And a lot of people were far more attracted because, again, it was the positive version of this transit. So beware, um, you know, again, people who have this transit can have upheavals of emotion. I think, again, transforming yucky emotions. So such things as negative self-talk. Like I, I see a lot of people negatively self-talking themselves, especially those who are gaining attention right now or in attention-seeking behavior. They talk themselves negatively. They call themselves an idiot. They call themselves, they say that they're stupid and, you know, do away with that. That's only going to make you feel worse. And that's only going to make you believe the negativity that you're, you're programming yourself with. So I think transforming those yucky negative thoughts and those yucky negative emotions that are coming up and really transforming them, transmuting them into something more valuable for you to where you're giving yourself emotional self-care and also mental self-care. If that's in the form of affirmations, if that works for you or mantras, I think that that would really bolster your attraction level considerably. You know, when you take care of yourself, that bolsters up the attraction level. I also just think, you know, if you can kind of embrace imperfections as perfections, situations, mistakes that can be learning points, you know, trying to transmute the negative into some positive things that you can keep in mind that also really bolsters the attraction rate. Because again, when you're self, you know, when you're negative self-talking yourself, again, lowering the vibration, people don't want to be around somebody who has a low vibration. I also speak from experience on this one. I have two co, I have a boss and I have a coworker who has a low, who both have low vibrations. They're miserable to be around. Um, for me, the first thing that comes to mind are emotional vampires. Turn, you know, a lot of people turn to emotional vampires when they get into that rut. So in raising your vibration, you work away from that. You work away from that miserable state for yourself, as well as being that miserable person for others. You start to become more of a positive person. And I know this is sounding very esoteric, but a lot of... Um, you know, matters of energy attraction really, really come true. They're really true. It's, it's amazing how, how much we admit, how much energy we emit from ourselves. The same with um, Pluto conjunct Venus. Um, I find a lot of individuals with this also have to transmute their, the relationships, how they approach relationships, because their natural tendency is to gain control. So again, trans, I would say transmuting relationships to where they're working for your better good. And I think um, really seeking out good, or maybe like instead of seeking out, instead of like seeking out any sort of attention or any sort of affection from anybody whatsoever, that really casts your net wide and that could really cause you to attract a predator, you know, predatory people as well as nice people, which is not good. How about instead, maybe I'm going to, I want to attract good people to me today. I want to attract savory people to me today. People who will inspire me and uplift me today. 
I feel like that transit can teach us to approach people and expect the more positive and therefore yielding positive results as well. A typical association or typical sort of transit, or I don't want to say transit, aspect that usually is in naturally charismatic people is Venus on the Ascendant or Venus in the eighth house. Usually Venus on the Ascendant, the typical situation, and also I should add Libra Ascendant. So Libra is exempt from the cardinal signs. Libra on the Ascendant causes somebody to be very magnetic as well, magnetic and charismatic. What we can learn from these two aspects is that, you know, when it comes to Venus, obviously, yeah, it promotes good looks and that's, that's all nice and well, but that's very so superficial. I think what Venus on the Ascendant promotes is that a lot of the individuals who have this aspect are super chill and they're also agreeable with others. They're nice. And if you doubt me, um, take a look at Charlize Theron, who has Venus on her Ascendant. Or Angelina Jolie, who also has this aspect. I especially have noticed this with Charlize Theron, how with how gorgeous she is. I mean, she could easily be stuck up and snobbish in interviews and off-putting in interviews. But when you actually take a look at her in an interview, she's so super lax and chill. And she is so just personable. And I feel like that's what Venus on the Ascendant also does. And I feel like that's what makes people really attracted to these individuals is that, again, they're being nice. We always think that being negative or having oozing negativity, we're always programmed that oozing negativity is attractive for some reason or another. Um, th it's the opposite. Uh, you know, when you're nice to people, when you're savory, when you're genuinely savory to people and you're trying to genuinely help people and trying to also genuinely just relate to people. I think what um, Venus on the Ascendant can teach us is genuinely relating to people um, can really amp up the attention and, you know, also give you positive attention in return because everybody loves to feel as though they matter and a lot of times what I see with a lot of attention-seeking behavior is that it's always focused on me, 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 and how people should pay attention to me. Try getting out of that and try maybe paying attention and really genuinely listen and genuinely being interested in the person outside of you and the person with whom you're interacting with. Maybe ask them how their day is going. Maybe ask them what their interests are. And just like I said, see how the conversation goes. I know I've been trying to do this myself because I had sucked at this for quite some time um, until I think there were particular transits and also particular seasons where I felt like I could work with this more. But um, when I when I have genuinely listened to coworkers and actually have asked them how how they are and also really like genuinely being interested in their responses and then responding to that. It's, it makes me feel a lot better. It makes me feel a little less self-absorbed that I actually connected with someone that day. It gets me out of my avoidant tactics, which is awesome. But above all, it makes me feel good because that person feels as though they were heard, that they actually matter. And I think it's, it's more, like I said, life is more than just us. You know, we all want to feel really special. 
And I think the best way in order to be special, be there for others as much as you possibly can. And then, um, you know, there's Libra on the Ascendant, which also imparts that be nice and maybe consider others, you know, make sure to consider others. Um, you know, you don't have to be so self-sacrificing with it, but just make room for others in your life. Make room for others' points of view as well, too. But also, it, this is kind of interesting. Um, so the son in the fifth house, I'm thinking Jake Gyllenhaal. We already mentioned how, like, magnetic he is. I mean, he just walks into a room, oozes charisma, oozes magnetism right there. Uh, son in the fifth house, ruled by Leo. What I can just say is um, really like Jake Gyllenhaal, he's not attention seeking at all. He just kind of walks into a place and boom, people notice him. Maybe just not expecting so much from people and maybe not expecting so much. Just kind of, again, going with your flow, moving with your isness and just kind of moving with your own life. Kind of just, you know, being in tune with your own life, including other people in that life, you know, really genuinely listen to listening to other people and kind of taking it from there, I think is what we can learn from the sun um, in the fifth house. And then um, I also felt uh, this was kind of interesting too. Jupiter in Libra or the first or seventh houses is also very attractive. Um, I think with Jupiter, the fact that it magnifies anything in the chart, and that's also expansive. I think with Jupiter in the the, on the ascendant or in the first house, expansive, like it just includes other people in. Um, other people are included naturally um, into this person's sphere. I thought that, um, you know, Jupiter and Libra was kind of interesting, maybe heightening fairness and heightening being nice to other people. I'm also thinking maybe Jupiter and Taurus would do the same thing, like a Taurus ascendant would do the same thing. But then also Jupiter in the seventh house, again, seventh house is all about relationships. So really including a wide net of people into your circle. So kind of like what Olivia Fox Cabane mentions when it comes to charisma is really genuinely listening and being warm to people, I think is also something else that will actually help you to get attention. And you know, actually what I've noticed personally when I've tried this, when you kind of do it often, you start to focus a lot less on you and your attention levels and what you're going to be seeking and what you're going to be getting. And you start to focus more on the people around you and how they're feeling and how they're doing. And, you know, I think that that's very important for relating in general. So I think that's, that's a really, I think a great important lesson that we can all take away when we feel the need to seek for attention as well too. Um, another, so a kind of other few extra points, um, Mars squared, any sort of planet can actually also cause attention seeking behavior. Usually that's in within transits as well kind of keep that in mind. So any like Mars squared, any planet, Mars opposition, any planet, in any heart aspect, it causes attention seeking behavior, probably because two, the, there's one planet against um, the planet of attention, sex, and attention usually indicates that we survive far more. So it's usually somehow 
our need for survival feels like it's being compromised, hence why we go into attention-seeking behavior mode. However, um, I think uh, Venus and Virgo, the extra insight was um, Mars aspect or kind of Mars near Libra, like either conjunct or very much near Libra can also in- intensify magnetism in the chart. And I feel like what we can learn from that is, you know, again, um, engaging other people, you know, even though these individuals can be really suave around people and sometimes suave behavior can be taken as being deceitful. Um, I also think that again, you know, trying to include other people and trying to include warmth into your personality. I think that's really going to do wonders, especially, and especially in this, in Aries season where we're a little top heavy right now (laughs) with Aries energy. Um, So stargazers, um, a little couple takeaways. You are always worthy of attention. If you feel like um, the attention seeking behavior is because you feel unloved or unlovable, please stop. You, you're lovable. You're very lovable. Everybody is lovable. It's just, again, um, we have to kind of revamp behaviors as we go along. We have to learn, you know, listen, learn, and cultivate better behaviors in order to relate to other people. I think that's like the biggest takeaway I can really give to you guys for this episode. And with that said, that is what I have for you guys uh, when it comes to the astrology of attention and attention-seeking behavior. So Stargazers, I really do hope that this was an informative episode. And I really hope um, if you are in an attention-seeking behavior mode right now, that's helpful, that you have some helpful tips and helpful hints. If you're not, that you, well, that's okay. If you're not, that's really great. But also that you have some helpful tips and hints that you can take with you anyway. I think, um, you know, the uh, advice I impart can be for anybody, um, not just those who are, have a particular affliction in relationships. Uh, And so I just hope that these were great points. If you guys have any questions or comments on this episode or other episodes for that matter, please feel free to reach out to me at misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com or on my Instagram page at Sandra dot Again, that's M-I-S-E-K. And above all stargazers, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. Venus, speaking of, is out and very prominent in the sky. Um, Orion's belt is officially in the eastern half, signifying spring. So that's always very hopeful for me. But I think above all, it just gives us a restart and a refresh and also helps us to connect with the origins of the 12 zodiacal signs of astrology. Above all, stargazers, I really do hope that you guys are well and doing, you know, thriving and surviving in every aspect of your life. And until, you know, between now and next week, until then, be well. And until then, stargazers. For as little as $2 a month, you can also subscribe to 7th House Astrology's Patreon page. Um, you can definitely visit that at patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology.